This podcast was originally the audio for a work of the same name for the Nearly On Red YouTube channel, found at youtube.com slash c slash nearly on red. Though not intended to be a standalone podcast, viewers frequently consume my videos for their audio content only, so I have duplicated my work in this format to hopefully save people a step. A full list of content and platforms can be found at nearlyonred.com or the short link nearly.red, N-E-A-R-L-Y dot R-E-D. Enjoy! Welcome to the Not Quite Daily Show, Summer 2018, Episode 11, and today we are talking about an episode involving time loops. Welcome to the Not Quite Daily Show, Summer 2018, Episode 11, and today we are talking about an episode involving time loops. Welcome to the Not Quite Daily Show, Summer 2018, Episode 11, and today we are talking about an episode involving time loops. We suspected there was going to be more to Banana's story, and it turns out there is a lot more, and I don't think we're done either. This is the biggest moment in the series thus far. So rather than the single argument that usually guides these videos, we are just going to examine how this cycle started and the exact timeline, try to understand Banana's motivations and current mindset, and fill in a few other details that this episode helped illuminate. Finally, we'll have just a couple thoughts on the direction from here. Now, we had already guessed Banana was nostalgic about their first performance, and that she would be on the side of the status quo. We didn't realize how completely literal that would turn out to be. But the very first time appeared to go as we suggested. Banana doesn't care about being top star, which she confirms when the giraffe pitches the review to her initially. When she learns that being top star could mean maintaining the status quo permanently, then she is persuaded to join in with gusto. As I said, I suspect that Banana will turn out to be formidable indeed. In fact, we guessed that even though Maya is set up as the end boss so far, I won't be surprised if Banana proves the greater obstacle once she joins the fray. Even last episode, when we left off talking about Banana when discussing the groupings, we mentioned that Juna and Banana would probably come into conflict because Juna is driven to constant improvement of both herself and their class's performance. Banana had given us the opposite impression. This is what led me to say that Karen and Banana only appeared to have a similar goal, as they both seemed to be striving for the sake of everyone rather than just themselves. Instead, they are fundamentally opposed, perhaps more so than any other two characters. Karen wants complete upheaval of the normal rules and procedure, while Banana wants to put them on eternal repeat. Good foreshadowing should seem obvious in hindsight. We will come back to this, because the fact that we were able to guess some of this correctly has implications about the present. So let's talk about that eternal repeat, since it's easier to understand upon re-examination. There are a series of title screens that give us a date and a little graphic that shows the looped part of the timeline. The very first one is the day of the 99th Seisho Festival, March 3rd, 2018. The graphic shows that the starlight icon represents the date of that performance, 
And as we look at other titles, we understand that the little flower represents the current date. The key dates are March 3rd for the performance itself, March 5th for the celebration afterwards, March 26th for the end of the school year and spring break, April 9th for the first day of their second year, May 16th for the day the auditions begin, and May 25th for the date that Banana wins and is awarded the tiara. Her desire resets the timeline, starting over on April 17th, 2017, and this graphic illustrates that the two endpoints and their hourglass-like icon represent the beginning and end of the cycle, roughly 400 days. It repeats many times, and though the giraffe seems to know this keeps happening, it appears that not even he retains full memories of the loop, like Banana seems to. The only other specific date we are given is May 14th of 2018, which is the day that Hikari shows up as a transfer student. She had actually appeared at the end of the previous loop after Banana re-wished for the cycle to continue. We then see Banana at the beginning of the new cycle, wondering to herself who that girl was. A year and change later, and she shows up in her actual classroom. She indicates that this has never happened before. Fittingly then, the timeline graphic itself shows a change. The two ends of the timeline compress together, and yet the flower which represents the present is now outside of that loop. When that flower reaches Hikari, the graphic inverts colors and the timeline part vanishes completely. This seems like a good time to point out that only Hikari has a blue cloak in their battle regalia, while everyone else's is red. She seems to be much more of an outsider than we originally imagined. Finally, the very last scene of this episode indicates that we are in the present, as we overhear Mahiru and Hikari discussing laundry, a continuation of the bit last time which helped us understand that Mahiru had accepted Hikari. I don't know what date we are on exactly, but we can assume that we are somewhere between May 16th and May 25th. So why is Banana like this? How did we get to here? Well, there are things we get to see, and things we can perhaps infer. It begins with the curtain call of the original Starlight performance, where Banana basks in the moment and remarks about how bright it is. The next key moment is during the party two days later, when Karin bestows the name of Banana after everyone celebrates how helpful she is. This moves Banana to tears. I've spoken in other analyses about how important the giving of names can be, how they can hold real power, and this is another example of that trope in action. Banana explains her emotional state, saying that she is glad she came to Seisho, that she couldn't believe making a performance could be so enjoyable that it would shine so much. That curtain call and this party are beyond any previous experience in her life. Next, Banana stays behind at spring break, taking pictures of even the empty rooms. She is initially excited about the next SciShow Show Festival because it will be the 100th, even taking pictures of Juna studying as these are all important moments that they need to get on film. Juna is staying because of a promise to herself not to go home the whole time, presumably to continue working, very Juna-like. But Banana deflects about answering if she's okay staying here, and only says, this is where I want to be. This high continues for Banana into the first day of the second year, but a noticeable change comes over her when two of the girls don't come back, and Juna has to remove their names from the lockers. This throws cold water over her enthusiasm. Then there is Maya's chat with her, where she is challenging her over not making a serious effort because she wants to remain everyone's banana. Maya's whole thing here is interesting, but beyond the scope of this video. 
I suspect Maya wants to face everyone's best shot. She'll get her day when we explore her character, uh, I'm sure. For our purposes, she reminds Banana that she wanted them to try for the leads back at the party, which appears to leave her nostalgic about that party and flipping through her pictures. Karin, Maithru, and Juna join her and then reminisce as well. Here is where Banana first expresses her sorrow, wondering if they'll never have the same kind of performance again. Now, like we reiterated, Karin is her ideological opposite, and here is where she pipes up with her own take. She refers to the stage as a living thing, that it can't stay the same. Yet, this means they have to practice more and more to have an even better performance. There's actually a little foreshadowing here, I think, as Karin declares that the bench is her stage, while Juna fusses at her for standing on it. That is, Karin is perfectly willing to break the rules to stand on her own stage, but she does take her shoes off first. She isn't breaking the rules just because, but out of necessity. Banana is later musing over Karin's words, that she believed in the chance that there is a better stage. But she says that for her, that starlight was the best, that it can't be topped. That appears to be what triggers the giraffe's email, and her eventual victory will begin the time loop. After she figures out that they've gone back in time, she speaks to us directly about the cycle and what it meant. She speaks of repeat performances, and how when she's in them, nothing scares her. The performances are not just the Starlight production, but all of these everyday moments. Her speech during the cycle is the key clue to her mindset. She wants no growing up, no becoming an adult, and none of the pain and suffering of trying new things and possibly giving up and she believes that she is protecting everyone from that. Now, these are the images we're shown, but I think we can make some guesses about the underlying psychology of Banana as well. It's possible that she comes from a background of no friends uh, and or parents who forced her into performing and going to this prestigious school. The way she does not go home for spring break and yet dodges giving a real answer as to why suggests at least that she'd rather not return if she doesn't have to. It seems that first Starlight production that she so loves is completely different from everything in her life to that point. Hence her wonder at the brightness of the curtain call, hence getting emotional when everyone gushed her praises and she was given her nickname. I'll wager this is one of the first moments in her life when she really felt she belonged. Thus, having a couple classmates leave takes the shine off and is the first taste of what will continue to happen as they go along. Eventually, none of them will be able to stand on the stage together. If this is a moment above moments for Banana, then being able to never have to give it up becomes appealing. Since everyone else seems resolved to just press on, she may indeed believe that she is protecting them all. She may have no context for how unhealthy this might be. Her past may not have prepared her. So how is she now? Well, time loop stories are not super rare in anime, in fact, many fantastic shows employ them. Something they usually have in common is showing the toll that the time loop has on the person who retains the memories. As the repetitions pile up, the person breaks in some way or another. Here is where pointing out our thoughts in previous videos is important. We broadly guessed Banana's motivation for joining the review in the first timeline where she won, that she didn't want to be the best, but wanted to support everyone and maintain the status quo. But we guess this from the way she acts currently, on whichever repeat this is, which means that she still has the same personality and mindset and goal as she did in the first loop, which means that the looping has not broken her. Or worse, it has, 
and she is simply not aware that this has happened. There is some indication that it is wearing on her. There is the script getting repeatedly worn down because there's never a new script. It's the same one used over and over. There is the withered tree that shows up in the last loop. There is simply the way she acts at the end of each cycle, dazed and trance-like, a far cry from her joy in those first magical moments. Indeed, she seems to be increasingly just performing them rather than living through them. The most telling example is when she steals Karin's line that names her banana word for word, which actually totally changes the meaning of the event. I suspect that she did not burst into tears of joy that time, and yet she does not seem to see anything wrong with her goal to keep repeating. This is different from what we normally see in these kinds of stories. However, it's completely the same in another respect. The time loop continues because the initiator can't get the outcome they want. You would think that getting to relive the 99th production is what she wants, right? As that is what she says. Yet at the end of all the loops, she still talks about how it is still too bright and that she can't reach it. Even while she herself shines like a star, she is still wanting something, and this cycle does not give it to her. Like with her parroting the lines that originally named her, she cannot get back to that original high of that initial performance. It's never going to get better than the first time it happened, but this hasn't sunk in. Right at the end, she is watching Hikari walk home and is thinking about the discrepancy that she represents. She wonders if maybe always having the exact same stage is boring. She remembers the last conversation with the giraffe about a stage that no one can foresee, but she is still resolved to have her repeat performance. Now though, she wants to add Hikari to the cast, and that Stepford smile and eerie lighting is no coincidence. She even turns to speak directly to the camera, which is something she's actually done before, and so I think we are meant to be a little creeped out. Then, most telling of all, the end credits feature Banana, but with no words. Maybe this means she has reached the starlight and so doesn't need to sing about it like the others. After all, at the end she steps on the star, while all the rest have been reaching for it. Yet I think this means that she has not found a piece in this process that the others have. The first of these illustrated endings featured Hikari, presumably with her original resolve that got her involved in the Review's looping process. Then, after she joins herself to Karin, she and Karin are both in spotlights. Same for Mahiru, and then for Futaba and Kaoruko. Yet the spotlight for Banana is not herself, but the script which represents the repeating cycle. That motivation is the one which is winning in her right now, not Banana herself. The repetition doesn't fulfill her, it erases her. It eats her up until nothing remains. So where do I guess we go from here? I think we know now that Maya can't save them. A serious banana can beat them all. It's going to have to come from Karin and Hikari, as Hikari is the one outside the normal loop. Yet banana states plainly at the end that she wants Hikari on her stage. This episode actually lets us understand exactly what the girls gain by becoming top star. It's not exactly that they get a wish granted, rather they get to stand on top of any stage they desire. This appears to mean that they can create any set of circumstances or setting, no matter what or when. It allows things which might normally be impossible to be possible. Kind of sounds like the actual way we use a theatrical stage, no? We've seen a lot of the girls move to the point where I think they would be okay with Karan and Hikari being the ones to win in the sense of finding the stage they would wish for agreeable. But Banana is not there yet, 
So I think addressing the root of the issue with Banana will probably be key, convincing her that the uncertain and frightening future can hold more shine than the familiar past. Since Hikari has already disrupted her normal course, then I think this might entail showing her more situations that are completely novel that are still blinding for her in their luminescence. As Karin was the one who bestowed her name, I wouldn't be surprised at all if she is also the one to articulate the positives of a changed future for her. Now, aside from all that, once you've opened the door to time loops in a series, you should never assume you've seen the whole story. Some other reset or split timeline might have happened even before the first time Banana won. This may have set up the situation with Hikari. We get what I think is a decent clue in the very beginning of this episode. We get our longest look yet at the actual Starlight play. Most interesting is that the various girls' lines all seem to correspond to ways they actually act or think. Maya and Claudine shooting for the top, Maya above Claudine as they climb, Juna speaking about shooting arrows repeatedly, but also that all this effort will not allow her to reach the star. Karin speaks about running away rather than facing something she is unsure she has the strength for. Futaba speaks about remaining spellbound in the midst of trials. Mahiru's is all about envy and about having another person to herself. And Banana's is about repetition, a cycle of despair below the starlight. So considering that the play seems to be a mirror to a lot of what is happening offstage, what should we make of the Starlight production we glimpsed back in episode 4? That one appears to represent the Starlights that the young Karin and Hikari were watching, probably the same day that they buy the two hair decorations that we now associate with them. Yet in that play, the two mains are not Maya and Claudine, as we see at the beginning of episode 3, or during Banana's memories. Instead, the two leads are Karin and Hikari. Their age in the audience implies that this production would be chronologically first as well. Now that time loops are a thing, should we guess that something like this too has already happened? That scene ends with Karin being the one caught in the red light and disappearing below the stage, leaving Hikari alone. We know that Starlight is a sad story, where the two main leads may be pulled apart. So then, remember the very first scenes of the entire show. We have both current Karin and young Karin watching Starlight, again with Hikari and Karin as the leads. Yet as we pan up the staircase, Karin is absent. Hikari reclines alone on the top with just Karin's jacket left on her sword. This is followed by a shot of Karin on the stage all alone. This all seems like foreshadowing before now, but what if there was an earlier instance in which the normal course of auditions caused Karin and Hikari to be separated? Something tragic befalls Karin, and so Hikari wins and wishes for a stage in which they are separated, and so Karin never partakes in the underground review, thus explaining her disappearing to London? Or alternatively, something tragic happened to Hikari, maybe even in their youth, and so Karin wins the original audition and wishes that Hikari suffers a different fate, such as simply moving away. That would explain why the Tower Promise and the Crown Hairpin are such a fixation for her, Maybe the aquariums even figure into such a backstory. Either way, without Hikari around, Karin is never motivated enough to join the auditions, and so avoids whatever happens during the process or as a result of losing. But this leads to Banana winning instead and sets them into this time loop. At least until Hikari is able to force her way into the cycle, possibly with the giraffe's help, depending on how we interpret his lines. I'm not quite sure on the progression of logic here, 
but now that past iterations are possible, I feel like some original audition, won by either Karin or Hikari, that results in them being parted, matches up with a lot of other imagery and mystery. It would certainly explain Hikari's intractable nature, and her actions thus far, if she remembers some original audition the same way Banana seems to remember all of her loops. Regardless, the path to breaking free goes through Bananati. So quick reminder, I'm going to be on my vacation next week, and we will have no Rayview Starlight video after the eighth episode. This is a terrible bit of timing, it seems, now, uh, but we will resume the following week. I'll see you then. Title music by Russell J. Crowe, other music licensed from the artists at Audio Jungle. Script, performance, and editing by Theta. Theta is played by Redacted. Original video can be found at youtube.com slash C slash Nearly on Red. And a full list of credits is available at nearlyonred.com. Until next time, thanks for everything.